Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. In the gym, nice bringing that intelligent perspective that takes you above the rim. From the PG, saw the whole court. Now he plays the sideline to observe a report, bringing nothing but fresh interviews while discussing high school, college, and NBA news. So sit back and listen, you will never forget because the Off the Glass podcast is coming up next. So sit back and listen, you will never forget because the Off the Glass podcast is coming up next. So sit back and listen, you will never forget because the Off the Glass podcast is coming up next. Welcome to the Off the Glass podcast, bringing a fresh, intelligent, thought-provoking perspective to the game of basketball. It's your host, Z, fan of no team, but a lover of basketball. Welcome to another episode, the latest edition of the show. Today, I want to cover a few things, and then at the end, I'm going to debut a new segment in the show called Speak On It. Without further ado, kind of want to talk on a few subjects here a um, lot of things have been going on in the news, and the NBA never showed a storylines. Wanted to kind of get this one out the way real quick. In the ever-unfolding saga of Markel Fultz, he has officially been shut down. He's supposed to see a shoulder specialist now in New York, and he's possibly has a wrist injury. And it also was reported that now he wants to be traded, as is expected, since Jimmy Butler has joined the team. His minutes have went down drastically. Um, so now they're exploring trade options. His lawyer did refute the claim, saying that it wasn't true, that uh, he was not going anywhere. He hasn't notified General Manager Elton Brand of anything of the sort. But as I stated in the other podcast, we're not going to get off into Markel Fultz tangent, but I felt like that initially he needed to go to the G League and develop, but then I ultimately said he needs a, a fresh start. So um, maybe this will help his shoulder. Well, maybe there is some kind of injury, something going on. I find that hard to believe that that's the whole story as far as him juggling the basketball before he shot and all that. But we just got to wait and see how that story unfolds. Coming into the season, though, everybody was kind of expecting Boston to win the East and Golden State to win the West. Now, Boston has struggled early, ranking near the bottom in offensive efficiency and offensive rating. But what's keeping them above water is the fact that they are – Number one, number two, they kind of float around that with Memphis in defense. Some of their early struggles is the same struggles they actually had last year. They shoot a lot of threes. They don't get any easy baskets, and they don't shoot any free throws. And in the era of space the floor, space the floor, shoot a lot of threes, winning basketball still means that you have to get to the free throw line. You have to get those attempts. You have to get layups because that means you're putting fouls on the other team, getting them in foul trouble, and it's not enough just to shoot threes because a lot of times you might have a night. The easy thing is you might not shoot the ball well, but threes are just harder to come by. It's not just great offense, and with anything, you want to have balance. You don't just have a lot of threes. You want to be able to mix it up, and I think what got lost in the whole Maury ball thing, Daryl Morey in Houston, is the fact that James Harden does get to the basket. He puts pressure on the defense. Excuse me. He does get to the foul line. 
you know, he does get layups. So it's not the fact that they're just shooting threes, but they're also getting a balance when it comes to shooting the ball as well. Excuse me, take a sip of my water real quick. So that's been the same thing plague in Boston. You know, they don't get any easy offense. They really don't. And that doesn't always mean you have to post up and all that, but you have to get easy baskets. The other thing that's been been plaguing them is the fact that Gordon Haywood has not been himself. He's not 100%. He did have a, another surgery. Uh, I want to say it was back in, like, April. And he's not where he needs to be right now. He's having trouble exploiting matchups. He can't beat anybody off the dribble. He's strictly a facilitator at this point or a spot-up three-point shooter. He hasn't been aggressive on offense. I think I read on – I listened to the Zach Lowe podcast, him and Tom Haverstroh was talking about – I think he's only dunked the ball three times this year, they were saying, and how he was averaging a dunk a game last year. So we knew it was going to be a, a tough climb for him coming back. That was a gruesome injury. He was going to have to come back slow. But, you know, I think they might expect him to be a little bit further along, maybe himself be further along. He actually came off the bench – uh, in the game against Charlotte where Kimball Walker went off in that game scoring over 40 points after scoring 60 the night before. And I'm going to get to Kimball in a second. But he hasn't looked like, like himself. Tatum is shooting way too many mid-range shots, contested shots at that, not getting to the basket. Um, just it seems like Jalen Brown, even though he's taking the same amount of shots, he's not the same player. And the problem is they have a lot of talent, but it's not gelling. Even somebody like Rozier, who he's playing a good soldier soldier right now, but there's been reports of him wanting a larger role. He doesn't want to just come off the bench, and which I find very interesting in Rozier. Very nice player, but it was evident to me when they played Utah uh, a couple weeks ago and Kyrie was out due to the, the, the passing of his grandfather that he had to run the team with something that Rozier, that's not his strength. He's somebody that wants to come out, be aggressive, score, look for his offense first and pass second. He's not. He doesn't have the ability right now in his young, you know, in his NBA career to be able to facilitate offense as well as look for his own offense as well. So I'm not really worried about Boston because of the defense. But with the acquisition of Butler, as I already stated, Philly has, you know, looked much improved. They was able to win the other night over New Orleans when Anthony Davis had a chance to tie it up late when Embiid committed a foul. You never foul a three-point shooter. Uh, Milwaukee is legit. They just beat Portland last night at home. I mean, really beat them. They're outscoring their opponents. They're playing solid defense. And I looked at it, as I said in the one podcast, the strength of schedule has been there, so it's not like they're just beating up on bad teams. Uh, Milwaukee's going to be right there. Toronto, of course. Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors have looked well. You know, they're playing great offense and great defense. So even though Boston has the overall talent, they're going to have to figure out this offense, man. Their offense just really looks bad. I don't know if that's on Brad Stevens. You know, a lot of the action, you know, I've noticed sometimes, like, they'll run a set where the guy runs a pick and roll and the weak side guy is diving into the area where the guy's trying to drive. Um, again, I can't state this enough. They don't get any easy shots. And it's just going to be something to watch going forward. Don't want to panic yet. We're still kind of early mode in the season, but we're starting to see trends that – you know, something that we're going to kind of watch, and that's even with Golden State right now. You know, with Draymond being out for the injury, Steph is out for the injury. I think to kind of move past the incident between Draymond and KD, I think it's going to always be there, but I don't think that's their issue. Their issue is they didn't address their their uh, their bench depth. They don't have a great bench right now. 
They really don't. And I, I see all these debates about is Steph better than Kevin Durant. Let's stop that right now. Kevin Durant ultimately is the better player than Steph. But there is something that Steph is the engine behind that team in a way. He's the most important player on that team, him and Draymond, for different reasons. When they Steph is on the court, their offense is clicking. He's able to penetrate put uh, and, and still pass the ball, put pressure on the defense. But what happens is now you're starting Quinn Cook, a lot of Quinn Cook, a lot of Damian Jones, uh, Kayvon Looney. Uh, Livingston looks old. Iguodala has flashes, but he looks old. You didn't count on playing Jarevko this, this many minutes. Um, they're playing a lot of G League kind of fringe into the bench players. And it's funny because if Patrick McCall would have just took the qualifying offer, he would be playing right now. He would be getting great minutes, which means he would have put himself in line to possibly get a good contract. Now he's sitting out. Now he's not playing. I don't know who his agent is and what kind of advice he was getting. I don't know what kind of player he thought he was, but that's been a disaster. So now you're relying on KD and Clay to really get you offense, and the rest of the team is really not that good. So honest, not, not surprisingly, I want to say, as we look at it today, I'm going to look it up as, as I'm talking, I want to say Golden State is fourth in the West now. And that comes as no shock because, again, they did not address their bench. And it's going to be interesting to go going forward because they're going to have to lean on these players right now to kind of weather the storm. So does that put more pressure on 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 Durant and Curry to really have to carry the load? And what does that mean for them going forward come playoff time as they try to make this tough push for their third straight championship, their fourth in five years? See, they're actually fifth right now. They're 12 and 7. The Thunder are fourth, 11 and 6. Clippers have been the surprise, 11 and 6. Trailblazers, 12 and 6. And Grizzlies, Memphis is 12 and 5 as they lead the conference right now, as they got another great win over the Spurs last night, who currently are 11 and 8 and 9. 8 and 9. I mean, it's a log jam. You got teams, Memphis has five losses, but you have three teams with six losses, four teams with seven. And then your ninth seed, Pelicans, have eight losses. The Kings are right there at eight. And the Spurs are 8-9, Mavericks are 8-9. So the Lakers were able to beat Cleveland last night, and LeBron's return to Cleveland. So they're 10-7. So you got a log jam of teams, but nobody expected your top three teams to be Memphis, Trailblazers, Clippers. I think everybody, if they put their money on it, had Golden State, OKC, the Rockets, maybe the Trailblazers right there, but definitely not the Clippers who've played fantastic basketball under Doc Rivers. Memphis has looked great. Jaron Jackson, if he was in a bigger market, Jaron Jackson Jr., we'll be talking about him. He just turned 19. The rookie looks great. Gasol looks like Gasol after we thought he was possibly washed. And I got an idea. I'm going to look at some. I don't want to give it away on a podcast, but I'm starting to see a trend with some of these players this year and the the reason why they're really playing well. But I want to first do my research. The Trailblazers, as we thought, they were getting stale after getting – you know, bounced out of the playoffs in dominating fashion by the uh, the Pelicans last uh, playoffs. Them sitting at the second seed has, has been a surprise as well. If we go over to the East since I got it pulled up, the Raptors 15 and 4, Bucks 13 and 4, Sixers 13 and 7, Pacers 11 and 7. Right now, the Celtics are 9 and 9 and are holding down the eighth seed. And if it was any other team, logically so, we'll panic. But because of their roster, we don't want to panic. But Golden State, we're going to have to watch this, and it's going to really, really, for the first time, it's going to really be 
a, a war of nutrition for them. And what Steve Kerr was trying to get everybody to understand that, hey, let's kind of relax. It's November. Let's get people healthy and let's see where we are. We don't want to panic. As I always said, I always say panicking does nothing well. You don't get anything good out of panicking. Let's kind of see where we are. Let's get people back healthy. But as I stated, Draymond missed, missed time in the in the preseason. It was going to be something to watch going forward because they rely heavily on their big four. And now, ironically, more than ever, we kind of thought Cousins was going to come in, kind of be able to plug in, get his feet wet, get his rhythm back, show people, people he's healthy on his way to a championship, and then get him a big payday. But, man, they can really use something out of DeMarcus Cousins. Now, I know they're not going to rush him back, but they can really use some pro productivity from a player like Cousins. So we're going to maintain and watch Boston. We're going to watch Golden State. I'm not going to lie until I looked at that. I didn't know Boston was in the AC right now. So I'm really going to be eyeing Boston to watch and see how they go. They have had – let me double back. They have had a tough schedule. So they've played a lot of the Western Conference, so we're going to have to see how that goes. The other team that's been struggling, I did a whole podcast on it, was Washington. Since that podcast, it was a huge uh, blow-up amongst the, the players and the coaching staff in practice. John Wall was fine for cursing out Scott Brooks. Uh, multiple players got in each other's face. Bradley Beal went to management and said that he wants out, that he's been going through this for seven years. Management came out and said that everyone's available. Um, really, the only player you could possibly trade is probably Porter. You know, he's an upgrade for a wing for a lot of players. New Orleans can use another wing. Um, Milwaukee, the contracts are not going to work, even though they could possibly use uh, another wing, another player. But Beal is going to be tough to move because you want something back of quality. I don't see teams just giving up anything to get Bill. And Wall, as I was learning in a podcast, because of his trade kicker being 15, I want to say it's either 15 or 20% of his salary, but when they had done the math on the podcast, basically the Washington Wizards would have to pay $20 million this year to just get rid of him. So he already has a big salary um, coming up. He's not going to be able – to um, be traded until at the earliest next July once that trade kicker comes off. So shout out to Rich Paul because he basically gave John Wall a no trade cause. So we're going to have to watch the Wizards saga. They did come back and beat the Clippers at home last night, which for them was impressive because, like I stated, the Clippers have been playing great ball. And what made that impressive, they were getting blown out. They were showing their usual this season, lackluster performance, no energy, no effort. The defense was terrible. It's near the bottom of the league. Their offense is near the bottom. But they were able to rally around and get a big win. So let's just see how they build off of that going forward. I want to also touch on Kimball Walker. Kimball Walker has been playing out of his mind. He went for 60 the other night in a losing effort as Jimmy Butler hit the shot at the buzzer. He went for 40 against the Celtics in a winning effort. He has an impending free agent. He's going to be a free agent this season coming up for next year. And the way he's playing, he's going to be on the all-NBA team if he keeps this up. He's second in scoring right now. He's shooting the ball better than he ever has. He's been super efficient. They've been playing well. As I stated, I want to see where they are right now in the playoff picture. What am I missing? I don't see it. Oh, they're blending in. They're six right now behind uh, the Pistons, who actually is just one game ahead of them. So we're going to see if they make a playoff push. He's going to be in line for that Supermax deal, that five-year Supermax deal. We can make $200 million. 
if you're new, if you're uh, Charlotte, you don't want to lose a franchise player. But we got to keep in mind, Charlotte has never played the luxury tax like that. They're one of the teams that loses the most money in the league, so they land, they lay. They lean heavily, excuse me, on that revenue sharing to kind of offset some of their costs. But Michael Jordan has shown a, a, a willingness to pay as they signed Nicholas Platoon to a max contract. And wow, what a disaster that looks right now. As in some cases, he's not even getting crunch time minutes. Um, so if he walks and goes to the open market on a four-year deal, you know, a team is going to look at possibly signing them. A couple teams that came off the top of my head, I know you're going to have to do some juggling. The Clippers are going to be in line. Does he go out there and sign with somebody like Ka- Kawhi Leonard? Do the Clippers look at Tobias Harris and say, hey, he's a good second option. Let's just sign him with a, a good first option and hold on to our team and stay packed. Are the Knicks, the hometown Knicks, you know, Kimball's from Manhattan, is that an option? You go hard at the KD, but maybe if you don't get KD, you get Kimball Walker. Uh, I will say try to sign Kimball Walker and KD, but you have to look keep options open because uh, Porzingis is going to be coming due for a contract, and actually to be able to pull that off, you will have to uh, move Tim Hardaway's contract. Who it might be movable right now. Tim Hardaway has been playing well this season for the Knicks. He really has been playing really good basketball. If you can get off Hardaway and like Courtney Lee and maybe one more small contract, you could possibly make it work. But that might not be a backup plan, bad backup plan. You could put pair Porzingis and Walker together. You know, they could run great pick and roll, which Walker has been running a lot of pick and roll this year and has been playing well out of it, being able to create that space off the step back, one of the best step backs in the league. I put it right up there with him and Steph. They got one of the best step backs in the league, especially at his size. The space that he's able to create to get his shot off is super impressive. Um, The other team that came to mind, I would love to see him in Milwaukee alongside Giannis. But with Middleton Middleton playing well, and he's going to be a free agent, it's going to be interesting to see can they afford him. They will have to remove uh, Della Vadova, who's on the last year of that contract. That's a bad contract. Snell and Henson. They will have to move those three contracts to even have room to sign uh, Kimball Walker at another max deal because I would rather have him than Bledsoe, even though Bledsoe, to his credit, has played well as he's in a contract year as well. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens with, with Walker going into free agency this year. So on the other side of the break, we're going to come back and debut that that new segment, Speak On It. So stay tuned. More to come from the Off The Glass podcast. Hey there. Are you enjoying the show? Well, make sure to go over to your favorite listening platform. Spreaker.com is the host site. Search the Off The Glass podcast. Become a subscriber on the show that way. Every time a new show is posted, you will automatically get an alert. If you're an avid podcast listener, listener, we're on Apple iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on iHeartRadio. Again, hit that subscribe button. Also, leave a rating, comment, let everybody know that you're enjoying the content. Head over to the website, www.theofftheglasspodcast.com. Read the blog post, comment, interact. While you're over there, Go ahead and grab you a shirt. It's the holiday season. Support the podcast. The colors of the shirts are gray, red, and Carolina blue. So head over there. Support the podcast. For all those who have been supporting and downloading, we definitely appreciate it. Continue to rock with your boy. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Off the Glass podcast. And as I stated, we're going to be debuting our new segment. It's going to be called... 
speak on it. So I'm going to speak on it right now. I'm going to pick a topic each week, something I see on social media. It might be basketball related, might be social related. We'll see. But this week, I wanted to speak on this crazy statements I've been seeing on social media about the Duke team, comparing it to teams in the past, comparably, most notably, the Fab Five Michigan team that for all you youngsters and seem like some of you old heads that seen these guys play, shame on you, are forgetting how great that team was. Jalen Rose, Chris Webber, Jawan Howard, Ray Jackson, Jimmy King. And they're actually debating also, could this Duke team beat the current Cleveland Cavaliers team? Let's address the college argument first. I don't think they can beat the Fab Five team. I don't think they can beat the UNLV team that had Larry Johnson, Greg Anthony, Stacey Augman, Anderson Hunt. I don't think they could beat the Flying Illini Illinois team. Steve Bardo, Kendall Gill, Nick Anderson, Kenny Battle, Marcus Liberty, Lowell Hamilton. I don't think they can beat the, the North Carolina team from the 2000s. Rashad McCants, Sean May, Raymond Felton, Marvin Williams. I mean, the list of these teams can go on and on. I don't think they're better than the Duke team that lost to the 90-99 UConn team that was led by Rip Hamilton and Khalid Alamine. Elton Brand, Trajan Langdon, Shane Battier, uh, Carowell, Corey Maggetti, the freshman, Steve Avery. I mean, we, we get caught up in the moment, man. And don't get me wrong, these young guys are great. Barrett, phenomenal. Zion Williams, phenomenal. We forget how good Cam Reddish is. Great talent. But what makes these guys different, and it's no knock on them, and this is why my overall argument in basketball, period, I do not like comparing eras. Eras are totally different. At the end of the day, it's as simple as this to me. People cannot control when they were born. All I ask is, did you dominate the era that you played in? And leave it at that. That goes for the arguments with Will Chamberlain, who recently I saw they were saying would be a poor man's DeAndre Jordan, super insulting things to the Wilt, great player. I don't like comparing LeBron to Jordan, different era, different rules. Same thing applies to this Duke argument. When Jalen Rose and Chris Webber and Jawan Howard and the rest of the Fat Five was doing what they were doing as freshmen, what gets lost in this, guys stay to sophomores, juniors, even sometimes they senior year. And we're talking about bona fide NBA stars and players that were staying. So they were playing against grown men that went on to have successful NBA careers. During the, that time, if we look at the Big Ten alone, Michael Finley at Wisconsin, Indiana had Allen Henderson, Calbert Chaney, Damon Bailey, Illinois was stacked that had a good team, Michigan State, Eric Snow, Sean Respert. These were really good teams, really good solid teams. Ohio State, Lawrence Funderburk, Jimmy Jackson, you know, even in the Final Four, in the Final Four game before they lost to Duke, who was stacked that year, Christian Leitner, Thomas Hill, Grant Hill was only a sophomore, Bobby Hurley, Antonio Lane coming off the bench, Cherokee Parks. I mean, the list goes on and on. The Fat Five beat a Cincinnati team that was led by Nick Van Axel, Corey Blunt. I mean, we could do this on and on. So what they were doing at that time to me was a little bit more impre impressive because these guys nowadays, they don't stay past their freshman year. The real talented guys don't get to be sophomores in most cases. They don't even get to their junior year, and they damn sure don't get to their senior year. 
So to try to compare this and say they're they're great, and I'm not going to try to use this argument now because they lost to a more experienced Gonzaga team. It was their first loss. They'll learn from it. I still think they're a great team. They're going to be a dominant team this year, that Duke team. But we have to pump the brakes sometimes. And in this era of social media, we want to jump on something that's new, that's fresh, that's quick, and be the first one to say, aha, I knew it. I knew they could be great. They're better than this team. You know, let's not lose ourselves, man. And as far as the argument of can they beat an NBA team, let's knock it off, please. Stop it. We saw this argument. It was either last year or two years ago for sure when Alabama was rolling through everybody and we were debating, Lee, I wasn't, that they could beat the Cleveland Browns team that went 0-16 in the NFL. Guys, ladies, those who are making these arguments, these guys are professional players. I don't care how bad they are in the NBA. There's no way in the world that a college team led by freshmen who are 18, 19 years old can beat grown men who are still on that team. Tristan Thompson, who won a championship. Kyle Korver has a championship. Other guys that went to the finals. Not to mention the fact that they're grown men and their pride wouldn't let them lose to a bunch of freshmen. But the talent is not the same. What separates NBA and even college guys, even if the guys are more talented, let's just say for the sake of argument in college, Something matters as far as knowing how to play the game, the experience, getting those reps, playing at a high level. The pace of the NBA is not even comparable to college. It's one of the reasons why, unless there's a top college game going on, me personally, it's hard for me to watch a college game. Sometimes I even like, I'd rather watch a bad NBA game than a worse or average, I should say, excuse me, college game, because the pace is so slow. The skill level is not there. Sometimes the shooting is really bad. You can watch teams, and they'll play 10 minutes of a 20-minute first half, and they've only scored 20 to 18 points. It's just hard to watch like that. So please, put some respect on the NBA players' names. Put some respect on the Cleveland Cavaliers' names and understand that, hey, the NBA is the NBA college is college stop making these absurd comparisons stop getting caught up in the moment how about this take a deep breath enjoy the moment appreciate the talent of a art of a barrett appreciate the talent of a williamson appreciate the talent talent of a reddish let them grow let them develop let them earn what's going on because i'll always make these arguments if social media was going on when we had those teams in the Fab Five, the UNLV team, those Patrick Ewing-led Georgetown team, the five slam, five, five, uh, the Houston team, five slamma jamma uh, Duncan fraternity, we had those teams on the social media, we could make the same arguments. There's always been great teams in every era. So my advice to you, take a deep breath, enjoy what you're watching, respect the era that people I played in, and just enjoy the basketball. But just wanted to stop by. Um, this will probably either release today. More than likely, I'm going to put it up tomorrow. Everybody's enjoying their holiday. Be safe. Enjoy your family. Um, real quick, another active shooter situation. This time it hit my, my hometown, city of Chicago. Praying for the families. Praying for all the families who've lost loved ones during the holiday. Cherish this time. Appreciate each other. Love each other. Stay safe out there. This is your boy Z from the Off the Glass Podcast signing off. Peace. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. 
We do it right too with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one, one and a half cubic foot bag of Miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5 1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8 ounce pots. Valid in store only. See store for details. US only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half cubic foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.